So I once experienced this point in my life where for three years I didn't cry. Now, for some of you guys who are tough out there, that's nothing, right? I mean, you spend your whole life not crying, right? You're tough, you're manly. I'm a little bit of a softy, I'll admit it. So for me, three years with no tears, that's a big deal. That's a long time. Now, it was from the ages of 16 to 19. And, and during this span of time, I'm not sure what happened. I'm pretty sure any emotions I had, I bottled them up. And I, I just kind of held them all in, which, uh, not that I'm a clinical psychologist or any, or any, any therapist of any kind that can give you uh, official diagnosis on anything, but I don't think that's healthy. Bottling up your emotions to that point, probably not healthy. And one of the reasons I realized I did that is because there, there came a moment in my life where out of nowhere, when I didn't expect it, the floodgates opened and I lost it. Let me explain this moment to you. It's kind of silly. By the way, any other guys in the room ever experienced that before? Were you just held in your feelings and you still, no, nobody? Okay, just me. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Really appreciate the support. So, there's this moment where I was watching uh, a TV miniseries, 10, 10 part, called Band of Brothers, epic, epic show. It's about the Easy Company, they were from uh, the 101st Airborne Division in World War II, and it's a, a, a depiction of real life events where these men from Easy Company uh, paratrooped in, uh, they were paratroopers, they, they went, went into uh, Germany and uh, they fought through World War II and just the most horrific experiences and battles, and, and throughout each episode the story developed and the characters developed, and it was just a moving experience, they got swept up. And at the very last episode, Colonel Winters, who is the main character, he is now narrating this very end part, and it's the real man who, who was speaking. And at that point, I'm assuming maybe he's probably now passed. This was a few years ago this came out. He was an old man at the time. He began recounting some of the tales himself with his own voice. And with tears in his eyes, he was sharing what happened. And all of a sudden, as I was sitting there, I, just, I, I felt something kind of drip down, and I was kind of like, what, what is this? Right? What's happening? And it just broke open, and I was just weeping uncontrollably by myself on the couch watching Colonel Winters share about his dramatic experience. I lost it. And for whatever reason, at that point, it almost like it kind of like broke a seal in my life where for like months after that, I was just overly emotional. It was strange. I had no emotion before, and then it was like, you know, Hallmark commercial, and I'm like, where's the tissue, right? It's one of those experiences. And eventually it kind of evened out, and now I'm probably in a healthy rhythm of crying, whatever the healthy amount is for a guy as emotional as I am. So... At that point, though, it was just for whatever reason, I, I don't know, for me, just that experience of, of uh, hearing a, a reenactment of a true story, it just, it gets me. And I'm sure, even though nobody raised their hand earlier about being emotional, I'm sure that if I asked you to raise your hand right now, some of you at least could relate to the fact that through experiences of, of witnessing a, a dramatization of something incredible in real life, something beautiful in real life and, and amazing, uh, that in moments, if you get caught up and swept up in that drama, you, you, you tend to get emotional. I think God has hardwired us in such a way where we're, we're drawn to the drama of something that's depicting or reenacting a real-life experience. And I want you to know this morning, we are all so fortunate, so blessed. We get to witness a reenactment of the greatest story in the world. Now, this is really what baptism is. Baptism is an opportunity for us to see on display the gospel. 
As people are demonstrating not only what happened to Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection, but in their own life spiritually, as they are united to Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection, what happened to them? They are depicting this through baptism. It's the most beautiful thing ever. And I want to just give you a little backstory because I think it's helpful before we watch this drama unfold for ourselves. See, this greatest story ever told, it starts with God. Before the foundation of the earth was established, God the Father chose God the Son to be the Savior of the world. God in his omniscience, knowing exactly what would happen, God in in his sovereignty, being in control of everything, he knew that as mankind was placed here on the earth and he gave mankind standards and expectations for how to live, he knew that we would not do that. He knew that instead of us obeying this sovereign, loving God, the king of the world, instead of us obeying him, we sought to crown ourselves king instead. We rebelled against God's standards. We sought our own sinful desires and we wanted to crown ourselves king instead of God. He knew. He knew. This is why from the very beginning, he began to make promises. He began to express promises of what he was going to do. He began to set in motion the greatest rescue story ever told. For centuries, God made promises of a future redemption, a future redeemer. And we saw through various stories in the Old Testament, Abraham and Isaac. I mean, you can name dozens of stories, dozens of promises Years of foreshadowing, years of anticipation, God was building all this up to one special moment. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. See, 2,000 years ago, God stepped into time and space. Jesus came into our space In the words of John's gospel, he made his dwelling among us. God the Father sent the Son to earth. And Jesus being fully God and fully man, he was not like other men. You see, when we were born in this world, we heard the law, we received, we we, we know what many of God's standards are. We see it in scripture. In fact, Pastor Spencer mentioned a few of them in his testimony, right? I look at the law of God, the Ten Commandments, for example. Thou shalt not steal. Do not lie, do not covet. And I just look at those three and I go, man, I fail every single day. I I can't keep that. You see other commands, do not commit adultery. And many of us in the room are going, all right, I think I do pretty good with that one. Then we read the New Testament. And Jesus says, if anybody even lusts after a woman in his heart, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart and he stands guilty. And pretty much that's every guy in the room. We cannot keep God's standard. We cannot do it. Impossible. But see, the God-man, Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, he is the only one who is able to keep all the righteous requirements of the law perfectly. This is called his active obedience. On our behalf, Jesus kept every standard, every law, every aspect of what God required for humanity, Jesus fulfills perfectly. He is the perfect substitute. We couldn't do it. Jesus steps in and he does it for us. But not only that, it doesn't end there. See, after living a perfectly sinless life, this Jesus was put to death. Why? He didn't do anything wrong. Well, again, he's our substitute. 
He was crucified on behalf of sinners. Not only does Jesus act as our perfect substitute through his righteous life, he acts as our perfect substitute through his atoning death in our place. The wrath of God, which is deserved for us, it should be poured out on us for our rebellion and sin. It was poured out upon the Son, the righteous, perfect, holy Lamb of God. He received the wrath that we all deserved. Jesus was tortured. He was mocked. He was scourged. After spitting on him and placing a crown of thorns on his head, they led him to a place called Golgotha where uh, they decided to put nails through his hands and his feet. You know that the, the highest concentration of nerve endings in the body is right here, right in his hands. And there they nailed this Jesus to the cross. And after nailing him to the cross, they raised this Jesus up where he was crucified for us. According to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, God ordained it from the beginning, but he was crucified because of sinners like me and like you. And this Jesus, as he was up on that cross, he breathed out his last and he committed his spirit to God and he died. And then what they did was there was a man named Joseph of Arimathea who, who had a tomb and they secretly took the body of Jesus. They, they brought it and they put it in this tomb. And so the body of Jesus was taken down from the cross and was buried. There, the people who crucified him, the enemies of God, in fact, they believed that their Jesus would remain. That his body would decompose like all other bodies that go in the grave. But they did not know the words of the prophets. You see, the prophet had foretold this. The prophets had said that Jesus would not be abandoned to the realm of the dead. And, and God's Holy One would not see corruption. Because after three days, Jesus rose from the dead in victory. And we have a risen, living Savior. Amen? Our Jesus is alive. He has conquered the grave. He has conquered death. And he rose from the dead. And after accomplishing all of God's purposes for him on earth, through his death, burial, and resurrection, this Jesus ascended back into glory where he's seated at the right hand of the Father in power today. Praise God, the most incredible story in the world. The amazing part, though, is the story's not The story's not over. This rescue plan of God through Jesus, it's presented to each of us today by means of a covenant. God has promised us forgiveness of sin. God has promised us eternal life. God has promised us relationship with him and union with his son, Jesus. And the means by which we enter into this covenant is through repenting of our sin and through trusting in Jesus alone for salvation. Through faith in Jesus alone. This is it. It's through faith in Jesus that our life is transformed and we're united to God and united Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the moment that this happens, everything about our identity changes. The moment we place our faith in Jesus, the old person we once were, that person is now dead and gone. And spiritually, we've been raised to a new life in Christ. The Bible says spiritually, we pass from death to life. This is why the Apostle Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That old man, that old person was put in the grave and buried with Christ. And Paul was raised with Christ to a newness of life. The moment we enter into this covenant by faith, our identity is transformed. Paul also says this, 
He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's through faith in Jesus that everything changes about who we are. So this is the essence of the story. Jesus died. He was buried, and then he rose from the dead. In order that we, through faith in him, might die spiritually, that old person be buried, and spiritually be raised from the dead. This is the story, the greatest story ever told. And this morning, church, they have experienced this transformation. They have experienced this spiritual resurrection. Three people have entered into a covenant by faith with Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ. They've entered into this covenant with God. And in a few moments, they're going to act this out. They're going to reenact this incredible transformation. They're going to reenact what's happened to them inwardly, spiritually, by faith in Christ, through baptism. And we all get to be witnesses. The greatest drama in the history of the world. This is what baptism is all about. Let me just say this very clearly for you. Baptism will not save you. If you are resting today in the fact that you were put in water or sprinkled with water or, or, or that baptism in any way is what unites you to God, just know this. It is by grace. Scripture says this very clearly. It is by grace that we are saved through faith. Salvation comes through faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's how we're united to God. Baptism is designed to be this dramatic uh, uh, retelling of the gospel as we all stand and witness the amazing transformation that someone is acting out what happened inwardly and spiritually the moment they believed in Jesus. This is what it's all about. We do not enter into a covenant with God by means of baptism. It's by means of faith. In fact, when I married my wife, what was it that, that married me to, to my wife? Was it the fact that she put a ring on my finger? No. No, the covenant of marriage came through promises, vows to one another. I vowed my love toward my wife. I vowed that I would never leave her nor forsake her. She vowed the same to me. And in that moment, the covenant was sealed. We were united together as one. Well, the same thing is true with the covenant with God. Jesus Christ had vowed forgiveness of sins. He's vowed he will never leave us nor forsake us. And the moment we trust in Jesus and pledge our allegiance and our faith to him and our love toward him, we are united in a covenant that will not be broken. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And the symbol, the picture of that just like with my wife, the symbol and the picture of my marriage was at the very end of the ceremony, she gave me this ring, and I hold it on my finger, and I display it for all to see proudly, hey, I'm united to my wife. Look at this ring. Isn't this awesome? This is baptism. By faith, we unite ourselves to Christ, and then we display it for the world to see as we go in the water. And there's a reason why I take people, and I'm going to hold them under the water. It's symbolic of the fact that they've been put to death. And they're going to be pulled out of the water by a power that's not their own. This is a picture of their new life in Christ. That God raised them from the dead spiritually. And they look forward to the, to the day one and glory one day in the future when they're going to be raised from the dead physically. Through faith in Christ, we unite to him. We, we join together in this covenant. And this is an incredible transformation of our lives. Spiritually, inwardly today, and physically and outwardly in the future.
That's how we enter into a covenant with God. Baptism will not save you. It's a picture of this most incredible plan. It's a dramatization. It's an acting out of the greatest story ever told as not only Jesus himself was was crucified and buried and rose from the dead, but those who've trusted in him have been crucified with Christ, buried and raised from the dead spiritually with him. That's what they're acting out. What a beautiful drama. I want you to know that it's okay to get emotional here. I had one person say, hey, as I share my testimony, I might get emotional. I said, awesome, giddy up, let's make it happen. This should be emotional. It's the greatest drama ever. Most beautiful picture ever. Something incredible. There's no better dramatization than this because there's no better story than the gospel. So with this, I'm going to take a moment to pray briefly. I'm going to have the worship team come back up and we're going to get everything ready and then I'll baptize Two people, Julie and Spencer, at the end of this service. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the brave testimonies that we heard as people were transparent and authentic and real and genuine. And Father, I thank you that you have made the culture at this church such a place where this is a place for sinners. Nobody that comes through these doors is perfect, Father, but we worship the one who is perfect your son, Jesus. And we know that your grace has come to us, Father, because we've heard the gospel. We realize the depth of our sin and, Father, what you've rescued us from. And, Father, you save us by faith in your son, Jesus. Through faith, we are justified. We're declared righteous. And, Father, through continual faith, we're being made more and more uh, in your likeness, in the likeness of your son, Jesus, through our sanctification. And I thank you for the journey that you've placed us on. And, Father, I thank you this morning that we get to witness this incredible drama that is baptism as people proclaim their faith in your son Jesus and they demonstrate the spiritual transformation that has already taken place. I I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your gospel. And Father, this morning, for anybody in this room who feels like maybe by trying to be a good person, they can be united to you, Father, I pray that you would reveal to them the, the reality of your law that they can't be good enough. For anybody in this room who feels like maybe through going to church or or, or trying to follow a set of rules that they can be united to you, Father. I pray that you would just reveal the truth to them. Father, even through baptism, Father, I pray that you would reveal the truth through that as well, that there is no way that we can come to you, Father, except through your Son, through faith in him, resting and trusting in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ alone. Father, I pray that you would reveal that to, to us this morning, Father. For anybody who's doubting this, For anybody who doesn't know this, Father, I pray that your spirit would be at work in this place, drawing people toward yourself. Father, I thank you for all the amazing blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, Father. What a blessing of being united to him. What a blessing that our old self, who we once were in Adam, has been put to death. And the new man in Christ Jesus this new person that's connected to your son, Jesus, Father, the the, the new man who's united to him by faith has been raised. And I pray that we would walk in this newness of life for those of us who are united to, to you, Father. We love you. We thank you. We give this time to you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.